Hi, my name is Dr. Natalie Ashburner. I am a psychiatry specialty doctor working in the NHS. I can also be found on Instagram at, at the mental health doctor. And I'm also part of the senior executive committee for the Doctors Association UK. So you can find me there. Thank you so much to the team at Scrubbed In for inviting me to present a case. If you have heard my intro and decided to exit this podcast because you are not interested in psychiatry, please, please stay. This is a really interesting case um, that is about medical issues and psychiatric uh, problems and involves treatment of both kind of simultaneously it's really important if you work anywhere in the NHS you need 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 to know about mental health problems you need to be able to recognize them um, and in some cases to manage them so you know it's just a part of looking after your patients even if it's not your favorite part and you'll see today how important it is to have a knowledge about psychiatric presentations of medical conditions as well. So, um, without further ado, I will get on with the case. Um, I, as I said, work in the Liaison Psychiatry Service I have done for the last year. And the Liaison Psychiatry Service is a service um, that works alongside medical and surgical teams and A&E within hospitals, uh, within acute general hospitals. So, we advise and see patients who are in the general hospitals with psychiatric presentations or questions, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I will start this case from my own point of view. Um, so obviously working in the liaison team, it starts with a referral from a medical surgical ward or um, the A&E department. So we actually received the referral for this patient from the medical team who were working in the acute medical unit and it was around two or three days after his admission. Um, so I will kind of start there and skip backwards um, and, and sort of tell you, tell you what had happened before that point as well. Yes, so we received this uh, referral and um, the referral was quite vague. The patient uh, was a middle-aged man, he was 45 years old, um, and he had been found kind of wandering and confused. They reported that he had some memory loss, some confusion um, on admission, and that he had been under quite a lot of stress recently, um, and they questioned whether he had some kind of mental health diagnosis. Now. Initially, this referral was a little bit odd. It's not a kind of typical um, presentation for a psychiatric disorder. They don't tend to present in this way. Um, and we felt like we needed to find out a little bit more information here. So we went onto our mental health records to see if he had a history. And in fact, he had no history of any mental health problems. He had no um, real physical health uh, significant history either. And, um, you know, so he was generally a fit and healthy guy. Um, we did find, however, a note from the ambulance service uh, from when he was admitted to hospital a couple of days earlier. 
So um, what we have, we have a team called the mental health triage team who work with the ambulance service to advise them when they um, are not sure what to do, when they have a referral or see a patient that they think there could be some kind of mental health problem. So um, on our mental health notes, we saw that the ambulance crew had attended um, to see this guy and had called them for some advice. And the story that they gave was that um, his wife and his brother had contacted a private GP earlier that day um, who advised to call 999 because they believed that the patient was having a psychotic episode. Um, So the the wife and brother had contacted a private GP earlier that day who had advised to call 999 because um, they believed that the patient was having a psychotic episode. So they reported that he'd had a change in behaviour for the past three to five days and um, a couple of days prior to the admission, he had gone out for seven hours um, during the daytime, uh, which was unusual for him. And on his return, he said he doesn't want to be with his wife anymore, he doesn't want to live there anymore. Um, They'd also noted that, you know, over these last three to five days, he'd been going out every day without his phone or his car, just wandering around for extended periods saying that he just wanted to be on his own. Um, There was no evidence, as far as they were aware, of any alcohol or illicit substances, according to this note, Um, and that since 11 o'clock the day before, he'd just been curled up in his bedroom, wouldn't speak to anybody. Um, So, quite rightly, actually, this mental health triage um, person said, well, this is very unusual, and there could be a physical health presentation or a mental health presentation and we would need to take the patient to A&E to rule that out Um, and I'll tell you what their thinking was behind this it's very unusual for somebody who is middle-aged to have a sudden psychotic episode without any previous history Um, this change in behavior as well this wandering I mean it's the kind of thing you might see in an elderly person again you know, so someone with like dementia or a delirium, but unusual again in in someone of middle age. Um, But it doesn't, you know, sound very clearly like a mental health problem. So the alternative obviously could have been that they could have taken them for a mental health assessment. um, Or if he was found out wandering, he could have been placed on a on a section 136, which is a police holding power um, to arrange for an assessment for somebody's mental health. However, I think they are absolutely right here in this case for saying this guy needs to go to A&E. Okay. so um, looking at the patient, then my um, lovely colleague went to go and see him um, and have a chat with him and it was a very um, strange story again so the patient said that he um, had no memory of what had happened before he came into hospital over the last uh, few days he said that he had been Um, walking around outside and he remembered that he met up with a good friend he saw a good friend while he was out but he can't remember 
who this person was. Um, and and his friend thought this was very odd because he didn't remember him. Um, and then the next thing he remembers is being in an ambulance on his way to hospital. He said that he couldn't identify any trigger, any recent stresses, um, and described himself as someone who really rarely feels very stressed. Um, but he did say that he had some difficulty because he built his home that he lives in. Um, so about a year before this, he'd been building this home and that was stressful. And he said that now, you know, he sometimes his house reminds him of this difficult time when he was building it, but he doesn't find that kind of problematic. And the patient also said that he doesn't feel low in mood. He can't remember feeling depressed at all. He can't remember feeling like he didn't have energy or he didn't have motivation or he didn't want to do things. He felt he was eating and sleeping absolutely fine um before before this episode three to five days ago and um actually on the assessment um he was absolutely engaging he was normal in his mood he was reactive he had good eye contact his speech was spontaneous he gave enough detail there was no evidence of any thought disorder and by that I mean that the flow to his thought and his speech was normal and um, he made sense in what he said he didn't have long pauses um, it was easy to understand it didn't say anything unusual and he wasn't hearing voices or anything like that reported by him. At this point he had no confusion either, he was able to engage, he knew where he was, he knew what time it was, he knew um, you know, who he was and details about himself, there was no evidence of, of confusion at this stage, his cognition was normal. Um, and as I said he had no history of mental health problems he had no history of harming himself in any way um it was reported by the ambulance staff that he had said that he wanted to sleep and not wake up um but he said he's he can't remember ever saying this and he's never had that thought before so he was a little confused by this as well so as i said in terms of his physical history as well he didn't have anything significant there was no family history of mental illness and he was a pretty sort of regular guy didn't drink much alcohol i think about nine units a week didn't take any drugs not involved in the police in any way grew up kind of locally to the area had one older brother Reports an okay childhood, went to school, enjoyed it, no bullying, no trauma, nothing that that he could report. He used to work for an American software company as a salesman and was made redundant about two and a half years ago. And he's he hasn't worked since, but he had been doing kind of um, housing development type stuff. So um, he he wasn't having any kind of financial difficulties. He lived with his wife, as I mentioned earlier, and they had two children. He had actually been enjoying homeschooling the children because of the COVID situation and the lockdown. And he had quite a good kind of structure and routine set up. Um, he has a dog that he used to like taking for walks, regular contact with his parents, older brother who has a fair relationship with and says, you know, he's got friends, he's got people he socialises with. As I said, he did some property um, development and rented out some property as well. So financially, he was OK. So um, my colleague very 
puzzled by this, um, came back to me and said, Natalie, what do you think is going on here? Because I, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, I said, well, you know, this does sound very odd. So he, he can't remember anything that happened. He came in confused, um, but he knows nothing else and he denies any other, any other symptoms. Very odd. So as we would do in this situation, I looked in a little bit more to his admission to hospital. Looking through his notes about his admission, I can see that when he came in, they recognised him. A middle-aged man, new onset confusion. So they did some tests for him. And I'm sure this is what, you know, some of you are probably screaming. But what about the blood tests? What about the uh, investigations? Let me get to that. So he had some blood tests, as you normally would do. Um, when somebody comes into A&E and just having a look at those now, you can see that they were pretty much normal. So, yeah, nothing really, didn't have any sign of infection. His white cell count was normal. His thyroid was okay. Um, his electrolytes were fine. His, um renal function and his liver function were pretty much normal not very much there really to uh, write home about and you can see that actually they did very well because they did do a full delirium screen which is really important when somebody comes into hospital so that included the thyroid it included the folate the b12 and all of the electrolytes including magnesium and calcium and phosphate because all of these things can cause an acute confusion um you can see they also did a paracetamol and salicylate level which were um, both normal uh, I guess they thought he's acutely confused. There's a question about mental health. Maybe he's he's taken an overdose. Um, but nothing was there. So they did a CT head. Again, reasonable given the situation. And you can see from the CT head um, that it was normal. So, no features to suggest recent intracranial hemorrhage, surface collection, substantial acute infarct, or space-occupying lesion. Not really much going on there, then. So, what I haven't mentioned, just uh, keeping a bit of suspense there, was the one um, very positive thing that they found. And that was that they did um, a VBG. And when they did the VBG... They found that his pH was 7.29, so he had an acidosis. His lactate was 1.4, um, and his bicarb was 13.9. His ketones were very high at 4.7, but his glucose was only 4.2. So his base excess was minus 11.2. So essentially this guy had a metabolic acidosis and he had raised ketones, so it's a, a ketoacidosis. So he likely has um, this metabolic acidosis caused by high ketones. And that 
very much can explain this confusion that he had, this memory loss, okay? Um, so, so remember this, when you have a patient who has a metabolic acidosis, these buildup of ketones can cause confusion, okay? But the question is really, why, why did he have um, a metabolic acidosis? And the first thing you might think about is his glucose, but here his glucose is 4.2. Hmm. So it wasn't raised. So what other reasons could it be? Now, I know that the medical team started to think along the lines of perhaps he's got an encephalitis. So they did an MRI, which came back completely normal. Um, and they also did a lumbar puncture, which is quite unusual, actually, on, on patients I see that they, they've actually done them. They did do a lumbar puncture, um, which, again, came back pretty normal. The only thing that they found was that it had a slightly raised glucose of 5.5. That was it. Nothing else was seen, no malignancy, um, no abnormal white cells or other cells, and no growth after they cultured it. Hmm. So again, they're still not really sure what was going on, but because he had an acidosis, he had been given fluids, right? So he'd been given fluids, um, and part of those fluids he'd been given was dextrose. He was also given Pabronex, um, and he was given IV antibiotics, um, keftriaxone, and acyclovir, which um, is a treatment for encephalitis, for meningitis, so um, just in case, I think that was, just in case any of these things might be, might be the cause there. But, so, this sort of explains why when we went to see him, he was no longer confused, because as they did the repeat VBGs, they found that the ketones went down, they came back to normal, the acidosis resolved, and now he was no longer confused. But the question really is, what caused the acidosis? So, they even checked drugs that were in his system. He's not on any regular medication. And they did a urine drug screen, which came out negative for any kind of opiates, ketamine, cannabis, cocaine, ecstasy, uh, amphetamines, the usual things. And um, it came out as negative for all of those. And we also did a test of his alcohol because you, some people out there, you might be aware that alcohol um, can cause a metabolic acidosis as well. Um, and he had no alcohol in his blood at the time of um, admission. So there, it wasn't because of alcohol. And, you know, he, he gave his history of alcohol about nine units a week. And we had no sort of reason to doubt that. So, again, we believe him. So, really, there was not much else that we could find as the cause. Looking back at his blood sugars... There was a question about whether we missed that it was a diabetic ketoacidosis. And the reason for this was that there was a report that the initial BM came back um, unreadable. And that sometimes these uh, results come back unreadable because the sugar is so high. So that was a possibility, but when we did the VBG, it was normal. And then they treated with dextrose and the BMs after that were high ish they went to 8.4 
12.814. They never went sky high. They never went really, really high. Um, and obviously his confusion resolved as well. So the thought was perhaps it was due to a starvation. And as you know, once sort of a patient is medically fit, the hospital is quite keen to um, get them out. So he was discharged once he was medically fit. And officially on his discharge summary, it said that he had a starvation ketosis. This is absolutely possible. And it's absolutely possible that he may have had uh, a depression. Perhaps he was not being very forthcoming about this. Perhaps he was not aware that he was depressed and this had kind of spiralled. Um, and he had then not eaten for a while, and then this had led to the metabolic acidosis, which had led to the confusion, which resulted in his admission to hospital. It's possible. The problem is, when somebody is confused, or has just been confused, and just had this physical health problem, we can't really reliably assess their mental state at that time, and say whether or not they had a depression or not. Obviously, as you know, he actually said that he didn't have any of these issues so um you know he denied all symptoms therefore we don't know and so the best advice we could give was we don't know at the moment we cannot diagnose any kind of mental health problem in terms of his presentation in terms of his mental state in terms of um our own assessment we cannot find any indication of an acute psychiatric disorder but we recommend that he is reviewed in a few weeks time to see whether there is some kind of residual underlying depression. So I hope that you have found this case interesting. I certainly found it very interesting and you can see how it's so important that the physical health and the mental health teams work together. Easily that patient may have gone into a psychiatric hospital with those symptoms and could have died, if we put it bluntly, he could have died. So it's so important that even when somebody is presenting and all of the signs at the beginning are saying, oh, it's a mental health problem, it's a mental health problem, that we look, could there be something reversible that we can treat here? And it's so important because when he came in, he came in under this idea of there's a mental health problem, you see, because the, his wife raised the issue that there was a mental health problem. It was then spoken to by mental health triage. There was a question, is it a psychotic disorder? And when he came in, I noticed on his notes, it said things like mental health problems as his background. I told you guys, I checked on my system, no history of mental health problems. But because it came in as a query as that, it was then labelled on his notes for the rest of his day and likely he went home and his discharge summary said mental health problems. Firstly, mental health problems is not a diagnosis. Please tell me what that even means because to me it means pretty much nothing. And secondly, be careful, so, so careful what you write in people's notes because this follows them. This follows them forever. This guy may have never, ever had any mental health problems and not go on to get any, yet he is now... 
um, labelled as having mental health problems, which unfortunately does affect the care that people get, one, because of stigma, and two, because of what we call diagnostic overshadowing, which is where we, when somebody has one diagnosis, we assume that all of their symptoms are because of that. And it happens all the time for people who do have mental illness. Because they have a mental illness, everything else that they get, any kind of physical symptoms is put down to the mental illness. And it it's just not right. So be really careful that what you're writing in people's notes is accurate. If you want to know if someone has mental health uh, diagnosis, please call the mental health team, call the liaison team and ask them to check and make sure that what you're writing is correct. But luckily in this case, you can see there's so much good practice. He had all of the right investigations. His, his physical stuff was treated and then we were involved to have some input and look at going forward if there's any mental health problems. So, you know, it is the right thing really was done here and he, he was actually treated really well. Um, and having checked his record since, I can see that his GP has started him on antidepressant. So it is quite possible that he was depressed before. Um, I should have mentioned earlier that they did actually do an HbA1c just to see. Um, and that had come back normal as 34. And that we did try and contact his wife to get a little bit more history to see whether there had been a previous history of depression from her point of view. However, we were not able to, to get hold of him. But that would have been nice to get that collateral history as well. So I hope you found this interesting. As I said, you will come across people with mental health problems, with physical health problems that have mental health elements to it. And it's really important that you know. And my last final thing that I just want to say to every single person, whether you work in, you know, medicine, A&E, surgery, wherever, know how to do a mental state examination, do risk assessments and do capacity assessments on all patients that come through with mental health problems that you are referring to the psychiatric team. If you're referring to liaison psychiatry, please, you would not refer a patient to the medical registrar and not do a physical examination for them, you know? The first thing they're going to ask you is, well, what did you find on examination? And it's the same for us. What did you find when you examined his mental state? So you do a mental state examination, a risk assessment, and a capacity assessment for the referral to the mental health team, and you cannot go wrong. Um, so I hope you found it interesting, and let me know. Ask me any questions. Thanks. Bye.